Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of On the Pitch presented by Deep Dive Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dom, and this week I am joined by Zach. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. How about yourself? It's been a while. Yeah, it has. I am ready to get into it today. Same, same. So it's been about a month since we've uh, recorded an episode here. So a lot has happened in the world of football. Um, we got the January transfer window about to be pretty much wrapped up here in a couple of days. Um, some other Champions League news and Premier League news always going on. But we're going to start things off with the FIFA Pro starting 11 that was just announced, what, a couple of weeks ago? Pretty interesting choices. Um, I know for sure I have a couple of disagreements with it. But let's uh, let's start with you. What, what did you think of it? Ah, this is always one of my favorite events that happens just because it mm-hmm. is player voted. And I love to see the discrepancy between like media personalities as opposed to who are the players voting for. But also, yeah, all respect to the players. I disagree with some of these as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my biggest disagreement comes from the entire, honestly, the layout and concept of the back line. And the fact that mm-hmm. it is just, you know, a back three of center backs when we are irrefutably in the age of the fullback. I would say oh, that absolutely. if I name the four best defenders, they're all fullbacks. And the fact that, especially Joao Cancelo and Trent mm-hmm. Alexander-Arnold, that they don't make a list of the best defenders in the world is, I, I can't, I can't yeah. defend that. So that might yeah. be just a flaw with the layout. But yeah, my biggest issues come with the back line. I think the one that is irrefutable i i would go as far as to say the best center back right now ruben diaz is just Mm -hmm. outstanding i i mean even people that would be new to the game or that don't appreciate the like nuanced defensive aspects of it he's just a joy to watch in addition to just being so so mistake free so that's one where i yeah 100 would sign that love it um i like that Bonucci is in there. Um, I think mostly just because winning the European Cup is super highly rated. Um, mm-hmm. So despite what happened in the season, that was always going to get him a spot. I appreciate that. Um, David Alaba is, I don't see how he's there. I <laughs> And it's hard it's because so I, I love this that. player. I love this player, but you're probably not one of the best three center backs in the world. And again, like I was saying, if we start including fullbacks into the conversation, He's just not one of the best three, four, five, ten defenders in the world right now. He's just not. Yeah. Maybe five years ago, but def- definitely not today. Exactly. <laughs> Is there anything else that, that really stuck out to you or that you kind of disagree with? Yeah. Um, the midfield, I'm okay with. Um, I, I do think Jorginho's ah, a tad overrated, but I can't, I can't argue with the achievements, I suppose, I would love to see maybe a Kimmich or a Thomas Miller in there just because I feel like the the impact outside of stats and outside of trophies that they have over Jorninho is just higher. Um, Conte, I will never question. Uh, the greatest holding defensive midfielder in the world has been for years. Uh, De Bruyne, the greatest passer potentially the game has ever seen. Um, yeah. In addition to like Xavi and Iniesta back in the day, but. But yeah, I just, yeah, my jaw drops every game I watch him. He, he needs to be there. Um, so I'm okay with the midfield. The attack is another one where Lewandowski and Messi. Okay. Well, Lewandowski's undisputed. Messi, 
even Messi could be disputed. I think the biggest argument in favor of Messi is how much Barca's fallen apart since he left. Like genuinely, it's very clear that one man can make a massive difference. Um, Ronaldo, in my opinion, does not deserve to be there this year over the likes of Benzema. I think Benzema clearly outperformed him um, and is currently outperforming him. And that's not a knock on him. That just Benzema deserved it. Holland, I'm a big Holland fan, but if we're talking about the best four forwards, Mo Salah has to be in there. And I don't like Liverpool, but Mo Salah is a phenomenal player, unfortunately. I think that was my biggest disagreement. Um, I I understand the argument for Messi. Ronaldo hasn't really impressed me at all in the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. I really, really am surprised that um, Mohamed Salah didn't get in. I think it's, I don't know, that's, that's a real, a real disappointment. As much as I hate, I think we're we can find some ground on our hatred for Liverpool. But you know, I I respect the hell out of Salah. I think he's a great player. I think he deserved to be in, and it kind of sucks that he didn't. Yeah, and if you think about, I mean, the end of last season, Mane was out or out of form for the entire year. They had no striker. <laughs> right. He was just single-handedly dragging them to wins from the right wing with no help, no defense. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, even, even today or not today, but this season, Mm -hmm. he's just on another planet and Ronaldo. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he still scores goals here and there, but I don't know. He's clearly past his prime. I get, it's guaranteed every year that Ronaldo and and Messi are going to get in because they're two of the greatest of all time, but this isn't a, it's not like a hall of fame vote. It's a who's best right now kind of vote. And I, I don't think he's, he's at the top of his game anymore. I think that's the perfect point of distinguishment to make here. It is not Hall of Fame. It is who is best right now. And yeah, I personally would say Ronaldo and Messi aren't there anymore. I understand the argument for Messi. I don't understand the argument for Ronaldo. I think he's kind of, this move to Man United has shown like when the midfield is incompetent and there is no service Mm -hmm. then he's not going to be able to perform which makes sense because he's an like he's a striker what do you want him to do it's like when you watch Lewandowski for Bayern and then you watch him for Poland like it's clear that he's still an elite player potentially the best in the world but when he gets zero service of course he can't do anything about it but when we look at forwards like Salah who can do something with absolutely no help then you have to say he deserved to be in it ahead of Ronaldo. Yeah, absolutely. But moving on to the transfer window, it's been a pretty interesting January transfer window so far. Um, Do you have like a top three, top four transfers, or I guess most impactful transfers so far? Yeah, I got to say, I was expecting to have bigger names on my most impactful list by now. Uh, We've got about five days left, so who's to say what happens from here? Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) But yeah, the biggest ones I would say, um, and this is one that kind of surprised me because I know that Man United was thinking about him for a while, um, but Newcastle picking up uh, Trippier. I think that's a great signing for them. Um, Yeah. I'm surprised Atletico let him go at, I think it was about 15 million euros, which is lower than I would expect. Um, Again, considering that fullbacks are so influential to the game right now, 
not only in securing the back line, he's obviously mm -hmm. such a veteran um, of the Prem, of La Liga, of the national scene. He's always going to bring composure to the back line. But in addition, he creates chances. He can move the ball around. Um, and since they also signed um, a striker like Chris Wood, who's you know never going to like create his own chances, but if you give him a few, he'll put them away. Mm -hmm. I think Trippier is a great, great addition to that team. Someone who can just, yeah, inspire people and kind of bring things forward. Um, and hopefully they can still pick up like a Lingard or something. But I think with Trippier and Wood, they're already looking at maybe staying up. I would not put it past them. So that would kind of yeah. be my number one. Another one I thought was really good. And I think it's going to pan out, but this one could backfire on me. I think Coutinho to Aston Villa is going to be a great signing. Yeah, I, I've always liked Coutinho. I think he just kind of fell victim to the Barcelona pressure, which has happened to dozens of players. There's no shame in that. Um, reuniting with Gerard, uh, I think that chemistry is going to reignite. He's proven in the Prem, um, already had a good performance or two there, so... I think that is another one that's going to prove to be hugely impactful. And then the third one I would pick, and this is one where I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm kind of hoping out of spite that it's going to be really impactful, and it's Martial. Because I think Man United has ruined a lot of talents, and mm -hmm. I think they have mismanaged so many players, and Martial knocking it out of the park for Sevilla and really proving them wrong it would be so satisfying for him, so satisfying for, for me to watch because when I see him on the pitch and I see him being completely mispositioned and brought off the bench and being frustrated, this is a player that has the potential. He's still young. He's like 26. They right. absolutely still thrive. And Sevilla is the perfect team. Um, they're making a push for it. I was a bit surprised at how aggressive they were. They brought him in. They brought uh, Corona in from Porto. It seems like they want to challenge Madrid and they're the only team that feels like doing it this year. So right. I'm, I'm going to sit back and hope that Sevilla really makes this a title fight because that would be so fun to watch. I honestly think they can. And I don't know. Did you look at my transfer list before you, before you write yours off? Cause I, every Did transfer not. that you listed <laughs> I have on my list too. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I guess going in order, um, I think the most impactful that I, that I wrote down, um, Chris Wood going to Newcastle. Mm. I think with, with Callum Wilson going down, they needed a striker. He's yeah. not going to light the world on fire, but the last four years, he's gotten at least 10 goals each season. He's kind of just a reliable, get you, you know, 10, 15 goals a season kind of player. Um, second, I got Felipe Cortino for a lot of the same reasons that you have, uh, you know, proven in the Prem. Uh, it kind of shows that Aston Villa want to stay competitive. You know, the, if you look at the mid-table teams in the Prem, they're all jam-packed in there. You know, they need to stay competitive with the likes of Leicester and, and Wolves. So I, I think that's a great move for them. I think it could be a good move long-term. I know it's just a loan, but I don't know if there's any loan-to-buy option um, or how long the loan is. But if he ends up staying long-term, I think that could be great for him because he's, what, 29? So he could still be pretty good for a couple of years. Third, I got Kyron Trippier going to Newcastle. I think him and Chris Wood is like a perfect pairing. Um, Trippier, he can definitely lead the team. He's got a relationship with Eddie Howe. He solidifies that left back position and he can set up the offense as well with his set piece skills. So I think that's a perfect signing. 
Then an under-the-radar one that I got is not really a big name, but Ricardo Pepe going from FC Dallas to Augsburg. Yes. Huge. I think that's huge for them because they're, what, 12th in the league? Or they're 12th in the Bundesliga right now. They're usually, like, bottom of the table. <laughs> so the fact right. that they're 12th <laughs> is, like, kind of surprising everyone. <clears throat> but I was looking at Pepe's stats. He's got 13 goals in 31 games um, over the last 12 months. He's only, what, 18, 19 years old? Mm. I think that's a great long-term signing. It's going to help them now. It's going to help them for however long he's there. And it's a great move for him because it gets him out of the MLS and it gets him into the Bundesliga, which everyone's using as a starter league to go to the Prem eventually. So Right. I, I think that pipeline is something that's super exciting for him because we've seen – um, obviously, Pulisic is the prime example, like a, a prime American talent that right. moved himself in the Bundesliga, was able to turn that into a move to a Prem. We look at um, Davies, obviously Canadian, not American, well, not USA American, um, went over to Byron from the MLS, has definitely established himself as a starting left back on a team that always contends for the Champions League. I really like the move from MLS or North America in general to the Bundesliga, I think. If we can keep that pipeline alive, we're going to see the game develop on this continent a lot faster than we have in the past 30 years. Yeah, and it kind of sucks for the MLS to keep losing out on, on all these guys before they get really big, but I kind of don't blame them for making the move over. I mean, it's just not the same, you know? And, you know, it's a, it's a trade-off. We get the fucking – oh, we get the, uh, the Gonzalo Higuaids when they're washed up, and then they get our young talent. So Right, yeah. Uh, and then we'll, we'll bring over, like, David Beckham when he's way past his prime and all exactly. that. <laughs> um, I do have one honorable mention, and that's Ferran Torres going from City to Barcelona. What are your thoughts on that? I was I was thinking of you when that happened. What do you think about that? Well, as a City fan, I'm kind of not surprised by the move. I, th- I think for a while, not seeing him in, in the first team a lot, he hasn't really played even when, you know, the second squad is in. I had a feeling that he wasn't really that happy. It's either – it was either he wasn't happy or he just wasn't in form. Um, mm. And he showed some promise earlier in the season, even late last season. Um, I know coming over last year with COVID and everything was kind of weird. I don't blame him for not being happy last year. Um, but now life was kind of opening back up and he was able to you know, do normal things outside of playing football. Beginning of the season, he looked a little bit happier. He was playing pretty well, but then he just disappeared. Um, it kind of sucks because he's, what, 22? Yeah. We, but – we bought him last year for what, 22 mil and we just sold him for more than double that. <laughs> so I, I think that that's a pretty good return on investment. How Barcelona was able to afford the move. I don't know. They probably had to take out another loan to add to their already billion dollars in debt. So how they made that work. I don't know, but I think that opens up a lot of room for city that, I mean, they already used to go get, Oh, Julian Alvarez. Yeah. So they already used some of the money from um, the Torres transfer to get a striker. And we've all known for the last two years that City needed a striker. And they got a guy that's being compared to um, Sergio Aguero. So what yes. better replacement than an Argentinian that's being compared to a club legend? I think that's a good move. It also frees up probably about 20, 30 mil that we can use in the summer transfer window to bring in maybe another left back. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle mm-hmm. Walker is starting to get a little up there. He's I think, 31. Um, Zinchenko doesn't really impress me that much anymore. I know he's still 26, but uh, he's never really yeah. been a solid left back. And we never really replaced uh, Mendy you know, for obvious reasons. But I could see us going out and getting another left back or just a fullback in general. Yeah. Because I think we need more depth at that position. But yeah, I mean, you look at girls on that squad, we're solid. And I think, man, I think this transfer just – this in combination with the Al- – signing just kind of encapsulates why man city is at the top and will continue to be at the top because this yeah. was selling a player at a really good profit that definitely has potential i've seen flashes of really impressive play from torres but not enough to where i would have spent the money barca spent after right. everything they've experienced after dembele you're gonna you're going to try this again. I mean, I hope it works just because I don't want to see Barca down into the second league, but I I think it was a brilliant piece of business from Man City. You got to do it in order to, again, get yourself a striker who either is going to be the first option after the summer, or if, if you're able to sign something like a Halan, something like a Kane, something like a, like undisputed top striker, is a fantastic player to loan out for a year or two, then bring into the main squad. Yeah, I love that Alvarez signing so much. And I think um, offloading Torres, who I think it's just a matter of being passionate for your home country. Like this is someone who wants to play in Spain. And so let him play in Spain. And this is the perfect time for him to join Barcelona too. A team that is struggling, a team that will start you now, a team that has a, a coach that can bring the best out of you. I, I'm starting to question his tactics, but I think Xavi is definitely the, a player's coach who will encourage the youth and really get the absolute best out of them. So I think it's a fantastic move for City, fantastic move for Torres, and question marks for Barca. This could be your next great player to play along Ansu Fati and all the other youngsters you have, or it could be the next Dembele. But yeah, for Man City, that was a great move. Yeah, I, I did read that they have to unload a little bit more salary to be able to bring him in uh, just because of like how all their debt structured. Um, so I don't, I don't know who else they can try to get rid of in the next five days, but <laughs> they need to, get, they need to unload someone. But I do think that he's obviously going to be happier being back at Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Cause he said um, in a recent interview that he was using city to kind of get better, develop more, and then go back to Barcelona. Going back to Barcelona was his plan all along. Glad he's happy is where he wanted to be. I think it gives them a player that has a lot of potential that's still young that can develop into that player that can be a focal point of their team. But it allowed us to kind of offload from a position that we really haven't access in. Uh, he wasn't playing for a reason because he's not going to start over Sterling. He's not going to start over Foden. He's not going to start over um, Riyad Mahrez. There's just no room for him on the squad. So I probably won't even start over Grealish. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> that's another player. I mean, I love the move. I think it's really going to work out. And we, we see this all the time with players that come over to, to play for Pep. It takes about a year, learn the system, learn how he is as a manager. You know, you'll struggle a little bit that first year, but man, that second, third year. I mean, look, look what he did with Sonny. Look what he did with Sterling. Oh, yeah. Even Aguero, Aguero was already a club legend, but he didn't even have his best years until Pep came along. 
let's give it time. Maybe we overpaid for him a little bit, but I'd rather have him on the team than not on the team. Absolutely. Yeah. I think given the circumstances, like the great financial situation of the club, that's not overpaying for the club. It might be for other clubs, but that's perfectly fine for the club. And I agree 100% at Pep and Man City's ability to integrate these players. And that's why I love, Mm -hmm. I know we mentioned it earlier, but that's why I love this Alvarez signing. And I think I've been over the past years, I've been kind of tracking the, the dichotomy of the Manchester clubs. And I think Man City is so far ahead that, it's ridiculous now because Man City is now the club that brings in a combination of proven players from other leagues and also underdeveloped talents from other leagues mm-hmm. and then turns that into just winning squads that have so much cohesion. A lot of that is the coaching. A lot of that is the scouting. And a lot of it is just the club culture. And you yep. compare that to a club like Man United that 15, 20 years ago was that. And what they're doing now with, they have all these young talents. I mean, I, I think Martial's great. I think Lingard is great. Sancho's obviously a great player. He was doing it just less than a year ago. <laughs> Van de Beek is a great player. And that has now turned into the club that just spends obscene amounts of money and can't make it work on the pitch. And that's why I'm, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I'm certainly not a Manchester City fan. Sadly, I'm a Tottenham fan. I, I suffer a lot for it every day. But I, I, I can't help but love to watch a project that is developing the right way with the combination of educated decisions, developing young talent, and also recruiting proven players to help develop that young talent. If you bring... Yeah, absolutely. Like, if you sign a midfielder right now at Man City... That midfielder is learning from Rodri, from De Bruyne, from Gundogan, the best of mm-hmm. this generation and a lot of other generations too. So, yeah, they're doing everything right right now. We'll see how how it works out. But, yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah kind of just building off that point, I know that we didn't really expect this to turn into like a Man City episode, but you look at <laughs> – you, you look at some of the other uh, U21 players that have recently come up this season. Cole Palmer. Mm, yes. Played so well this year for such a young player. You know, these young players are able to come up through the under-21 squad, learn from our main squad, and they're just able to just fit in seamlessly at such a young age. It's, it's absolutely incredible to watch. One question that I do have, though, this mm-hmm. Alvarez signing. Man City for – two years now have been saying or Man City fans and everyone's been saying they're going to go after Holland. Do you think signing Alvarez means they're done chasing after Holland, Or do you think that he'll play well enough where they kind of just forget about him? So I was thinking about this over the week and I think I genuinely think it's a bit of a win-win situation because like you just said, if Alvarez plays well enough to where you can just forget about Holland, fantastic. If it's slightly underwhelming, you can still pursue a top-tier striker like Holland and loan out Alvarez because he's got four or five years to develop if he needs it. It'll probably not even take that long. So I think they're in the perfect situation right now. Um, I don't know a ton about the Argentinian league, so a lot of this is coming just from <laughs> reading other people's research and reading other people's opinions. I do think he's going to be good enough to wear the – pursuit of someone like Holland is not going to be necessary. Um, mm-hmm. But I think even if it turns out like, oh, wait, 
we do need a few more years. We do need to sign someone top tier. I think that's totally doable still in the summer. And you know what? Worst case scenario is that he's not quite there yet and needs to be loaned out. And the signing of a top tier striker isn't possible. And then the team stays the same. And if the team stays the same, that is still a Premier League winning team. So right. we take that as a worst case scenario. <laughs> That's right. not too bad. <laughs> but, so you mentioned you're a Tottenham fan. Do you see Tottenham doing anything with five days left in the transfer window? Or is it kind of just kind of so, roll with it as is? This is me full sending it and just having faith in things that I should not have faith in. This transfer comes up every single window. I think this is the window it happens. I think Tottenham gets Adama Traore. Really? Yeah, I've, I've been seeing a lot of rumors about that. Oh, yeah. And let's turn this into a Traore episode. Adama Traore is, <laughs> he is, he is two things. Man. He is my favorite player to watch, and he is the most frustrating player to watch in the entire world. <laughs> Because every game, he'll go on at least three runs where he out-sprints one player, out-dribbles the next player, and then just shoves the next player off the ball because he's massive. And then when it comes to the final cross or the final shot, it ends up in Roseanne of the stadium. But I think he can do it. I think he has everything you need to be a great footballer. And I'm hoping a coach like Conte could bring that out of him. So I really mm -hmm. hope this is the window where it happens because now the system's in place. I think if it had happened under some of the previous coaches, excluding Mourinho, I think Mourinho could have done it as well. But before that, I don't think it would have been a good signing. I think specifically now with a coach like Conte, it's a really good signing. I hope it happens. Do you think that bringing him in is going to be enough to persuade Kane to stay with the club? Because, I mean, if you guys get Traore, you're going to have – Assuming you guys go with a 4 3 3, you're going to have Traore, Kane, and Son as your top three. That That's pretty dangerous. That That's a good that's a good attacking squad that you guys have or could have. Yeah. I think it will be enough as long as they make top four. I think if, yeah. if Kane has to play not Champions League again next year, he'll leave to play Champions League, which he should. He's, I mean, he's a starting striker on one of the best national teams. He's a great player. I wouldn't blame him for it. But, yeah, I think as long as it's Champions League football on the table next year, that would be enough. Um, but if not, then no signing's going to save it. That's fair. I mean, you guys are close. I don't think United – I think they're going to continue to fall. You're only two points two points back of fourth. So it's definitely doable. I, I think Greg Egan-Troyery could obviously do nothing but help unless he just keeps, you know, field goal kicking everything into the stands. But <laughs> – Right. That's the only concern, and it could happen. <laughs> but I think that pretty much wraps up everything that um that we have planned for the episode. But thanks, as always, for coming on, and thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. See ya. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of On the Pitch. Make sure to follow On the Pitch Podcast DDS on Instagram. Also, don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And listen to any of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Catch you in the next one.